I invited you onto this podcast to discuss. Uh, generally speaking, we discuss uh, depression, anxiety, and 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 best mental health practices, um, specifically in regards to this industry that we work in that can be quite stressful and volatile, and sort of how you've kept your head on straight throughout that whole time. But I want to take this opportunity to get to know you because as uh, we, have, we have a lot of mutual friends, I think, but and, and I think we did one political panel together, but we've never had any kind of a one-on-one uh, discussion. But your stream and your Twitter feed has always stood out to me as being very um, wholesome and positive. And so I thought you would be a good person to come on and talk uh, about your experiences. Also, just on a personal note, just for selfish reasons, I've just now started to get into... Um, uh, uh, engineering my diet to to gain a lot of weight and and I'm, I want to go to the gym. I want to I want to I want to get like twenty to thirty pounds of muscle. I don't know how long that's going to take, but that's what I'm going for. And you got a lot of beefcake uh, beefcake pictures. So let's start at the beginning because I don't know a lot about you. How did you get okay. into the gaming space? Um, what is your origin story here on Twitch? Okay, okay. I'll try, I'll try to keep that one brief. Well, one, obviously, I'm flattered. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan. Uh, clearly, yeah, we had a, we both had a immediate love at first sight chemistry when it, on whatever political panel it was that we were on because it was, it was very like powerful. Yeah, yeah. There was like some. There was a lot of um, uh, what's the word here? Unspoken Sexual. bromance, but also yeah. some unexplored like synergy between like me and you for sure. I was like, man, we need to like we need to do some more stuff here for sure. You know, okay. you, you just get that vibe whenever you're on that those kind of debates where like you. You click within five minutes over like who who you vibe with and who you don't. Mm-hmm. So so I'm this has actually been long overdue, and I apologize for being a bad friend and not like making the initiative myself here to you know be like yo what's up. So I'm sorry about that. I've been a little busy, but good. Let's go ahead and make it a little great. more <laughs> a little more formal for you. So yeah, I'm um uh what got me into gaming right? That was the first question, and then streaming. Is that correct? Um sure. If you want to start there, like what got you into gaming? But what but but I wanted I was more curious about. How you got into this industry? What's your origin story? I know you're a big fighting fighting community person, right? Like you got into you're a big part of the Smash community. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I, I am. I am. That's not where I started though. But that's a that's a good that's a good uh, start starting point to maybe pivot off of there. Okay. Um, I'm actually um so in 2003, back when I was a wee a wee little lad, back in like uh just getting out of middle school, going into high school, um, boomer clap. I'm pretty old. I um. I was into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. Like I played a crap ton of Yu-Gi-Oh the card game and that was like my my whole online identity at that time. You know, I was not the popular kid. I was the the only like geeky black kid at my very small rural high school. So, high what, school for me sucked. IRL sucked. What state did you grow up in out of curiosity? Uh so I I was born in Orlando, Florida, but parents divorced and long story short my mom won full custody and we moved back to where she's from, which is Louisiana. And uh, gotcha. not, and I went from like, you know, metropolis Orlando, full of diversity, to like small town rural Louisiana. Gotcha. And that was a huge, and that was, you know, that was me going through puberty, no father figure, and just, it, it was a lot. That was a big adjustment. I, 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 suddenly I became insecure about things that I was never really insecure about before. Like, cause uh, you know, having, you know, being in the Dragon Ball Z and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon anime was all like totally, the norm in Orlando, but in uh, in rural small town, that's like, you know, if you're not about, you know, four wheelers and mud and shooting and hunting uh, or whatever, you know, just, you know, if you, if you don't conform to societal norms, you are, you know, you're the weird one. You're if, if you if you're not a sheep, you're the outcast, essentially, right. is what yeah. happens there. It's more of a hive mind collective, I would say, gotcha. especially in something as like cutthroat as the uh, 
the hierarchy of high school popularity. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you know, you're like how, how popularity and like, um, and value of time functions in high school socially on the construct level is completely different rules than actual real life. When you graduate, like it's yeah. the, it's, the, it's like the most dumbest four years of your life to me. Like, and you notice the change right away. Like, like Oh right yeah. yeah. Away, the, the minute you graduate. Yeah. Like you're like, Oh yeah, I got like 50 friends are all like, and the minute you walk the line, you graduate the next day. It's all welcome to IRL. They all just fade away right. really quick. Right. Yeah. But anyways, that's a different, different topic though. Point is, is yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, um, so I, I kind of like was, I was really, um, excited to, or, or to like, you know, be online because my presence there didn't require the, the judgment of like high school people and whatnot. So, um, so I got, in, so I got into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! And then from there, Whenever Yu-Gi-Oh was getting like no longer my interest, I then ventured into. Uh, I just happened to find out that there was a thing called speed running, which is of course the act of like playing games and beating them as fast as possible. So you know, me being broke and uh, not having great internet at all, where I couldn't do online gaming. So what I have was the games I already owned and able to play them over and over again to, for my own like you know lack of new games I had. Yeah. So playing them over and over with the function of getting better at them suddenly had, you know, video production value because people were producing speed runs back in like, you know, 2004. So and I, uh, and, they, and they were putting them on what? YouTube at the time, or I mean, I would assume it would no, be on this is, private get this, sites, right? get this, this is how crazy it was. Yeah. YouTube didn't come out till 2005. This was like late 03, early 04. This was going on. So there was like a, a separate video hosting service that would upload the MP4s. And even if you were like a, ver a verified veteran community member, you could even mail in your VHS tapes. And they and uh, one one mod would volunteer to like convert the the VHS tape into a digital MP4. Right. Literally from analog to digital. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was actually was, my, uh, my my initial um my I didn't buy a capture card and start recording Call of Duty stuff, which is where I sort of took off around 2008 to 2009 was like the first you know it took about a year to build up like 10,000 subscribers and then and then after that year in partnership with machinima and getting all the exposure oh from my that, it, it yeah, just, that's a boomer clap right there it, it just exploded um really quickly after that but but before all that in 2001 um i recorded myself i figured out i don't know how i did but i figured out how to record my gameplay using a vcr because I wanted to show my friends how to beat the Mayan temple on, on GoldenEye 007. And so I did okay, that, okay. and then I would take it over to my buddy's house, we'd smoke pot, and then I would show him, and it would take like you know 25 minutes to beat the level. And Yeah, that was like my initial um, entry into this kind of um, medium. So so you say you got involved around 2004, but when did you start to uh, experience what you might call success? Like how did you, I mean, how long did it take before you were doing this for your income? Very long time. Uh, 2013. Um, I did speed running for Love the Craft. Um, you know, I did it throughout the years, and then there was like a 2009 speedrunner meetup where we all met up at like a some some gaming convention in uh, Maryland. And uh, the following year, it was like, okay, well, if we're all gonna if all of us like super gamers are all assembling together to go just hang out at one convention, why don't we just like I don't know, like do some more speedrunning related things? And that and that spawned the first Games Done Quick, which I was a part of. And I, I'd been, and I would go to every year, year over year, you know, from 2010 through 2017. Um, now, the thing about that is, though, like the the game changer, which was which I was about to get to with you here, was the fact that uh, um, I didn't know about live streaming until 2011. You know, because at the time, this sounds really weird here, but at the time, speed runs from like 03 to 2010, it was all about the end product. It was all about getting the run, the perfect run. 
all the attempts that failed, that was trash. That was right. like, who's going who's gonna to watch you make the movie? They want to watch the movie, right. right? At least that was the logic at that time anyway. So, um, you know, the whole idea of like showing the mistakes was kind of like this like weird thing that I didn't understand. So when people were, were like streaming and live streaming their, um, their attempts at getting world record, it was like a, now it became like a social thing. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm in it for the investment of the journey of yep. the individual pursuing the record. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's what got me into it. So February 2011 was when I started streaming. I was on Justin TV um, several months before Twitch.tv debuted in June 2011. Uh, so I am I'm Gigaboomer. Uh, check my account age. You'll see there. Humble Flex, you know. Right. Um, so I, uh, and, but yeah, I didn't go, I wasn't full-time until July 2015. That's whenever I, uh, I, I had like a, um, but it took, it took a lot of time though. I, I, for, for probably at the end of, 2014 i had my first ever sub goal of like telling my chat look um 400 subs and i would go full-time and that was me figuring out you know like okay well i can't make more money because i had you know I, I was a broke college student who had a bunch of bs going on but i can lower my expenses like i can like you know get my get my bills mad low i'd never eat out i cook everything as long as i have planet fitness and um and 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 i could cook every meal i can i can live off of you know 400 subs a year which yeah. is not a lot but i can do that so well uh, that was I, the play and I, then i i met it and then i was like okay well now we got to figure it out now I, now i gotta like you know become a streamer now i guess so um and then apparently i figured it out because here we are uh six years later and some change and how did you get into and how and, and when did you get into um fitness stuff ah that was that actually was 2014 that was the same year the having the courage to say here's here's my here's a sub goal that I'm going to commit to and all that I was very insecure. Uh, our gum still I still battle insecurities in a lot of ways actually. But like uh, um, there were there I was going through some ego hurdles. Like I felt at that time I didn't know what was going on, but I can tell you now in hindsight that I was a uh, I felt entitled to being better at the game at games I played than I actually was. Like I should already be quote unquote try hex good at the games that I'm aspiring to stream and put on for my community. So whenever I wasn't as good as I wanted to be at them, I would uh, I would attack myself and fall apart and just wasn't able to like I was not I was ultimately not enjoying the journey of getting better and I didn't know how to deal with that. So I just thought, yeah. okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix my sleep schedule. Okay, I'm, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm with the gin right now. So it started with me saying, okay, well, let's how does sleep work? You know, what, okay, right now because because okay, the thing the thing much is like back in like 2013, I was I was a mega degenerate streamer. I would I would. I would routinely not be actually in bed trying to sleep until like 4 a.m. I would sleep in all the way, you know, wake up at like noon, 1 p.m. And I'd still be tired and groggy, like not really up until like three o'clock or whatever. Just like the whole the whole thing. And I was like, OK, I hate that half my day is like crap. My sleep schedule is shit. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not really in control of time. So I desired control of, of getting better sleep and a more structured schedule. And the elephant in the room was like, I, I, well, do you exercise? You know, you know, get exerting yourself will get you tired. That'll allow you to get better sleep. So that's kind of, yeah. that's actually where the, the fitness initially started. There's yeah. more to it than that, but 2014 is when I started working out. You know, what's kind of fucked up about living a really sedentary life where you're, you're, you're not moving around much. You're not doing a lot of exercise. You could actually get sore from do, from doing nothing. 
Like if you never, I, I started to notice cause I wasn't doing any kind of exercise for like the last five years. And when I would lay down to go to bed, like I, like my body would ache in fucking weird places. And I've just noticed in the last few weeks of, of regularly doing cardio and lifting with a trainer that, uh, that soreness went away, but you can, you can get sore from like literally just sitting around and doing nothing. Um, this is you true. Said, you said we'll a lot. There's a lot to unpack with what you said. So I'm going to try to get to some of them here. You sure. mentioned, sorry, sorry. You can, you can, you can always like, you know, honk the horn if I'm just like blaring out trying to get trying to get your, your initial question answered sorry no not a complaint this is actually making it a lot easier for me as a interviewer but uh you mentioned uh struggling with insecurity what did you mean by that how did you struggle with it before um oh i don't know where we begin here um that feel when no girlfriend i felt like the insecurities were like you know i had to be a god gamer i felt like i had to be number one at the game i was playing or else i was worthless um i i had some huge ego issues that i'm still probably battling a little bit here today like I, the trix persona like kind of over overcame me pretty hard um i would always feel guilty about any success i had i was i had a very low opinion of myself and i don't even know if i could even like narrow down like what caused that whether it was like uh, no girlfriend in high school or unpopular in middle school or, or what I don't uh, No father figure. And my dad's a piece of shit who I have a lot of, a lot of probably therapy based issues. I mean, they're like really iron out there, but like, I don't even really know where to begin with that one. Hard, hard to say. I can, I can tell you some actions I had that were probably some red flags, but exactly what was going on in my head that time. I can take them in a much, 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 much better mental space now than I was then. Um, but if, if I can, if I'll be, here's, here's, what, here's what I will say, cause I don't, I'm kind of not really giving you a, a good answer. Okay. Um, I was a waiter. I was a, um, from 2007 to 2015, I was a, uh, I was a, a, a waiter. I was a very, very good waiter. And of course, as a, as a good waiter slash server, I, um, it's, it's very almost subconscious to kind of like regress your emotions because, um, expressing yourself, whether you disagree with your, your customer's opinion on X thing, or if, you know, if they're like a Seattle Seahawks fan, but you're more of a, you know, whatever, you're more of a New York Giants fan or whatever, you know, you just, you, you, your goal is to be likable and generally showing opposition or really showing any, any, you know, let's just call it, you know, 50% happy, 50% sad. The, the, the 50% and lower spectrum of the emotional scale is meant to be completely ignored. You need to regress that and, quickly pivot it back into being happy. Like mm -hmm. it's a, being a waiter is a very mood dependent occupation. I can't be a, a grumpy piece of shit all day long and, and, and survive. I have to like, you know, be likable win customers over and build a, a, a clientele of regulars who would, who continually request me when they come in because they know I'm going to deliver a banger service for them each and every time. Yeah. Which, um, which did you, so, did you wait at a, t I waited tables for about seven years too. So where you, did you oh. work, did you work at a chain or where'd you work at? Yeah, I worked at a, uh, a chain. It was it was Chili's. Oh, okay. I worked at Olive Garden, so we were kind of like cousins, same kind of level. Oh, right oh, you you you're you're Olive Garden, yep. dude. Y'all y'all kind of trash. I mean, y'all you only have three table sections, dude. Y'all kind of screw up. I ain't a lot of you, dude. Well, like, listen, yeah, no, it, it, that's, like, that's like Babby mode for me, man. That's like, you know, I don't I don't want I don't want to. I don't know if you want to get into that right now, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I, I've i heard some things about OG, son. So you, I don't know if y'all, you, you want to defend that? It wasn't a very lucrative job, if that's what you mean. And yeah, so they did have three table sections, but they would make exceptions if you were, like, senior staff. So if you, you know, gain the trust of the managers, they would give you the booths, which was a five-seat um, section. So if you could get that section, and I, I usually got that, then... You, okay, can make, okay. like, you can make, like, decent money. Like 80, 80 to I'm 120 bucks. I'm swinging them tables. 
Well, okay. you know, listen, if we're if we're if we're laying our decks on the table here, then that's that's yeah, that, yeah. There's, there's my deck, but um, uh, okay, okay, so um, yeah, you you bring up something interesting, and it's something I I think you're about the tenth or eleventh guest, and it's something that I normally like to talk with uh, talk about with every single guest that comes on, but this idea of having a persona and what that does to your sense of identity and how confusing that can be. And it sounds like you leaned into being really good at these games and uh, maybe you got some some level of online notoriety as a result of that and then it fulfilled these emotional needs that you had had that weren't being met when you were younger. And so then you feel committed to that role. Um, and then it changes you. And if you're not careful, if you don't have some sort of anchor to your quote-unquote normal life outside of the internet it can be quite um uncomfortable and and painful to uh unpack that um that that side of you that that came about because of this persona so i'm wondering is that something that you still struggle with today like who am i versus who am i when the camera's on or do you try to be as authentic as you possibly can every single time you fire up the stream one that was a very brilliant assessment of uh from, a, from my very you know quickie description of what was going on there um so i you, i don't disagree with anything you just said actually um right. as far as that the struggle goes um i still struggle in ways but i'm much more i'm much more aware now before like even just like a year and a half ago i would argue that all this was going on and i was kind of like a puppet on on strings with a marionette and I didn't like I wasn't aware it all. It, I thought this was all like the normal stresses of being a streamer. And I'm now and now I better understand here where like the ego was taking over and the entitlement would kick in. And the persona was like unironically the thing I was doing, even though I, I thought I was being 100 percent, you know, humble and genuine in some in certain ways and whatnot. Ultimately, it, it comes it, it, how it would show its form is I, I become tilted. I, I become tilted on stream. And I'm incredibly frustrated, and I honestly want to rage quit the stream because I don't know how to like. Because I feel so embarrassed and shameful over how you know losing in a, like a PvP game of Smash Brothers made me like completely like unbearable in my own mental head. Like like genuinely, I'd be I'd be I couldn't get over like losing a certain match or set mm-hmm. for, until like hours later. Like I'd have to literally like step outside and just like kind of like chill out, you know, like it just like full blown tilt, uncontrollable amounts of tilt. Actually, um, it's an example of that there, but um. Yeah, the whole the whole persona thing though. Yeah, I um well the thing about it is though, uh Hutch is that like I I grew as a streamer dr- probably mostly from my well half my charisma and personality that my my server swag was showing there. I was able to like, you know, I was able to like be very talkative at, at a time when the meta of streaming was very gameplay oriented. Mm-hmm. So I can carry, you know, I can carry just having a QA with chat about random topics. I can actually I was so insightful and st- still am I still am here hang on now uh because I'm insightful about many topics uh like like you are one of them being politics here I'm able to like take a conversational topic of chat and extend the life of that particular topic much further than maybe the average streamer could mm-hmm. whether you know whether it be what you know AOC or you know is every Trump voter racist or you know why is California ble- I, you know like insert any topic I can, we can go into a green new deal what's your opinion on that you know whatever right um but i uh but um but because i grew off of like my gameplay going from you know a 50 viewer andy to like a you know 50 viewer andy back in 2011 to a 300 viewer andy by 2014 um growing off of like my skill in the games i was speedrunning at that time 
Mm -hmm. uh, probably rooted in a lot of like subconscious ego because of the constant validation I would get from playing the games well, not just on stream, but also at the GDQ events. Mm -hmm. So whenever I went from being like a one trick speed run person into naturally blossoming into a, more of a variety gamer because I, I had never played other games before. And that was kind of like the thing that was really in intriguing me at that point. Um, yeah, you know, that I had to confront the fact that I'm not trying to go to every game I'm ever, ever going to play. And that was like a something I had actually literally uh, never dealt with until before I was 15 years old, you know, before 2003. Yeah. So that was like a that was a pretty big wake up call, you know, when, by the time I got around to that point in like 2017. So. Um, we talked about uh, anger being an emotion that comes up when you're feeling frustrated with yourself or deeply insecure. And I don't know, are you are you in therapy, by the way? Or do, do you do you talk to a therapist? Uh, so that, this is part where I, I fall apart on. I, I think I need to really do more of it. I, I went to a psychologist uh, for several sessions. Um, but I think I did a bad job there. Honestly, you don't really, you don't really know what to do when you go to these things at first. Right. No, like no. I went there and I spoke mostly I, at first I thought I wanted to like, you know, why can't I get over my father? Why is my father in my head rent free? Fuck him. Blah, blah, blah. Like I, that, that's why, that's why I started with my, my sessions were about my dad, but really yeah. I don't think about my dad. Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't miss what I can't have. I, I think it's pretty, I'm sorry. I don't want to curse too much here, but I, I think it's pretty fucked up that like, you know, I'm your only son and you don't even call me like, like, dude didn't even know I was a full-time Twitch streamer until, like, I told him uh, on accident on one random, like, phone call, like, four years ago. I'm just like, dude, you don't, you don't even know, like, it both my mind, you don't even know shit about me, and you don't even care. Like, you, like, you donated sperm to my mom, she had me, and then, you, and then, like, where the fuck have you been since, dude? Like, you're, like, I went through puberty, you weren't around, I'm an adult, you don't know, you don't know what I'm like, you only, you only know what you think you know about me, so you project yourself into me, which is so fucking, anyways, I'm sorry, but yeah. My, uh, the psychologist I spoke with, I was like trying to like, okay, I was like, look, look, I'm here to solve this because I want to get over this mountain. And in reality, I was, I was dedicating all this time to like him, 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 him. But it, it had nothing to do with like my stream day-to-day -day stress. So I was like, okay, this is like, so I invalidly dumped a lot of effort into that when it's not really what I think should be a priority. Or maybe I need more of a counselor rather than like, or a therapist rather than a, psych a psychologist. But uh, I think I approached that entire angle wrong. I should have told them a lot more about my streaming shit. But I think also subconsciously, I assumed that X person is not going to understand what I'm going through because they don't, they don't fucking stream on Twitch. So it's the whole thing is fucking parasocial and unique. It's a whole new, right. like, unless you're interviewing like someone like fucking Jimmy Kimmel, like, how the fuck are you going to know, like, what the fuck I go through, dude? Like, you don't right. know, you don't know me. You don't know, you don't know this occupation. Yep. I can describe it to you, but are you really going to get like what, what it is? I, I barely know what the fuck it is at this point. So. Yeah, well, I've been through a couple different like major depressive episodes throughout my career streaming, and the first the first one that I went through, actually the second one too, that was something I really struggled with is because I number one I felt I felt really guilty for not being happy in the spot that I was in because there were literally at this point millions or perhaps hundreds of millions of people that would want to do this kind of thing for a job, and so there was this right. other voice in the back of my head that was saying, you know, what gives you the right to be. I guess, ungrateful or yeah. um, uh, unhappy. I mean, you're living the dream. And so I would beat myself up for having these emotions, these negative emotions, or, and being in a really shit, shitty state of mind. And then on top of that, I felt like, just like you mentioned, it was such a, it was such a new industry. It was such a new sort of subgenre within the gaming industry that it was difficult for me to conceive of um, 
asking people for advice or just venting to people because when you try to vent to uh people that have like a normal nine to five job or whatever uh, most of those motherfuckers don't want to hear what you have to say about you know like complaining about your job and so i felt I, i felt totally isolated in my unhappiness and i saw no remedy to get through that um but the reason i brought up therapy and the reason i brought up anger is that um i've seen therapists sort of on and off pretty much my whole adult life and like things are going pretty well for me these days um i had a tough year but i got through it and i learned that i'm way more resilient than i thought i was uh but i still go see a therapist because it's just good maintenance for me and and one thing that i learned in therapy is that oftentimes in fact i'm going to say 99.9 percent of the time when we experience anger it's it's actually a secondary emotion and there's a deeper there's a deeper emotion underneath that one and for me it's normally fear and the way that i deal with being afraid and and not wanting to be afraid and not wanting to exude weakness is i mask that with anger um and i guess yeah that's why that's why i brought up the um the therapy and i was just going to ask if you thought you had any insight as to how you work and whether or not you see some sort of emotion underneath that anger in the moment when you feel frustrated on stream and you feel like you're letting people down and you feel like you're not living up to your persona. Have you ever given a lot of thought or have you, have you ever given any thought as to what may be underneath that anger? Hmm. I don't focus on the anger because, okay, let's, let's go back. Cause I, I, I want to deconstruct what you're getting at right now. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but my perception of it in the heat of the moment is more that if I'm getting angry, that's that's me concluding i have no control over the emotional like flow chart that resulted in the anger like there were there were points i had more agency in the situation before we got to anger were my expectations calibrated for a situation at hand was my did entitlement blind me from my full option pool prior to whatever options i chose at x point whether it had been like you know considering being humble and grateful while losing, concluding that losing is, is losing really is learning. You know, did I really assess my mental before engaging in a, in this like event, whether it had been smash or whatever, where I was going to probably lose because I'm not adequately prepared for the situation. Did I prepare adequately enough to even feel the entitlement I feel to, to win this particular match or whatever? I keep using the matches here because that's like the ones that usually would tell me the sure. most, but like, yeah, all of that comes into play. And usually if I'm already angry, I think I already lost at that point. Um, so that's how I would perceive that there. But, ge- but ge- generally, I actually focus more on the sadness because the anger gets would pivot into sadness. And usually I look at being sad as meant to be a catalyst to, uh, to, to change. I'm, I'm feeling sad now. And it's supposed to encourage me to change something. If I'm sad because my environment is abusive, then that's, that emotion is there for me to let me know, hey, you're not happy. You are sad. You need to change your environment or change your surroundings or change your, your social circle because you're, you're feeling sad for one of those reasons, one of those environmental stimulant-based reasons. Um, so that's, I look at sad as like, you know, I need to like fix things. You know, that's like a, if we didn't feel sad, we would, you know, if you, if you were continually perpetually happy while, you know, giving away all your possessions, you know, then it, maybe perhaps you're, you're not getting the right emotional stimuli whenever you're like, you know, um, having abysmal self-worth because you feel you're not worthy of the possessions you currently own right. you know this is as like a it's like a you know extreme example of the logic there at play yeah. but um yeah i usually the sadness is what gets me and in conclusion my lack of control of the emotions i can't it's not about it's not like you know being mad or sad is automatically a loss it's more that usually when i get in those realms 
I can't recover. I have to like, I've, I've crashed and burned by the time I realize I'm already at that, that deep end and I'm not going to be able to quickly fix them within, within the hour. You know, it's just going to be like a half stream thing where I'm like pretty caught up over it in one way or another there. So yeah, I don't know if I, I haven't really looked at it in the, in the context of like masking the emotions, but I look at it more as like, you know, what the emotions uh, in their respective position within an emotional flow chart mean to me. Gotcha. And I, I, like, I like to think that if uh, happiness is being self-aware, because if I'm aware of what makes me happy, then I will generally replicate and pursue those conditions more often. Well, you um, seem like which kind of loops all back to working out for me in a way. Go right, on. and, and we'll, we, I'd like to get into that a little bit more. Um, but I do. I wanted. I wanted to ask you. Um, you seem like a really introspective guy. You seem like a guy that's looking inward and asking yourself questions and um, challenging yourself to um, better your state of mind. Uh, and normally, people aren't. In my in my experience, people aren't really born like that. Something usually happens that prompts them to get to a place where they're um, asking, well, how, you know, what are the ways that I can do better? What are the ways that I can take care of myself better? Did you ever hit any kind of a bottom and that's why you sort of got on this introspective journey or have you always been someone who has been uh, more self-involved? Man, you are really good at this interview thing. I ain't gonna lie. You, you hit, you're hitting those, you, you find, you find like the, the creamy, the creamy center, uh, jelly filled donut center very quickly. I got to, you, you are sharp. Oh, thanks. You're hot. I've been um, yeah, no, no, yeah, you, you, you got it on the point there. Um, I was not always this introspective that there are probably two points here. One was when I was 15 years old and I started questioning, like, uh, you know, I started questioning religiosity versus uh, being agnostic versus being full-blown atheist. And uh, I, I, I saw that I was leaning towards those other two camps of uh, agnostic slash atheist because I was like, and it was a very simple surface level one from here. You know, my, my mom's like religious, but like, very very passive not like super aggressive but i was like so we we only pray when we need something so we pray in an opportunistic way and i just feel like if we only do it when we need something that makes us ultimately like a servant to a higher power and the idea that i lack absolute agency in my own decisions and choices that you know it has to be a blessing from x thing in order to like like, it's never like, you know, my hard work. It's my hard work X, the permission of a higher power. I'm just like, eh, I don't like how that makes me feel. And so if I'm going to commit to it, I'd rather like unapologetically like pray daily or whatever. It's, it's like my 15-year-old my brain doing that simple exercise here, right? So like, and I was like, so that's where it started. It started there. But where it really blew up was probably um, when I was about 22 years old. It was like April 2011 um, where I... Um, Long story short, um, this is back when uh, legal weed—you may recall—it was called Spice or like I forget what it was like. Right. It was like some yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. was some shit sprayed with the freaking the XJ22 chemical, or whatever. Yeah, it was like yeah, a yeah. synthetic weed that gave you like a quick high. Well, I never smoked weed before, and I had a I had a coworker, not a friend, a coworker who pressured me, peer pressured me into smoking because you know they they had heard that I had never smoked before, and they were all like, "Damn, bro, you ain't never smoked before, man. Maybe I get this boy fucked up, dude." Yep. So they all like. You know, did the usual peer pressure thing. They had me, they had me come over, and it, when we smoked, and oh, they you, thought they you, had some, some blow, but they couldn't, they couldn't get any legit that night. So they had to call like his backup dealer, and all, all they had was spice. And his dumbass thought that spice and, and regular weed were the same shit, or you know, whatever that gets you fucked up. It's no big deal. So my first time was hitting that shit, and it was a, uh, uh, it was a, uh, it was really, 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 really bad. It was a horrible, it was a horrible experience. I had a horrible trip, uh -oh. and uh, I, I had like a, in short, I was very, very high. 
Um, but I also had a panic attack while being high. Oh, and no. then because they had nothing to drink at the at their house, I wasn't at my house. I was at, I was at their house, I'd never been to before. They like left me alone for like two, a couple of hours, or it, it, they say it was twenty minutes. So I felt like it was like hours because I didn't know how time was passing at this point. Right. Um, they left me there just to kind of like chill out because I I'd passed out. But I woke up alone, high as fuck, and not knowing what to not knowing what to do. I felt kind of like a, I was I was having like a panic attack, sleep paralysis, and oh, I was tripping no. really hard all at the same time. So I was having panic attacks about my panic attacks mm-hmm. while alone, and it was very traumatizing. So I started having panic attacks after that night. I started not being able to cope with the stresses of of being a waiter and whatnot. I started yeah. having irrational thoughts that were invading my consciousness. And I could no longer combat them with reason or logic. Wow. And it, it evolved into full-blown thought-induced anxiety and depression, which I was diagnosed with by a doctor a month later because I know I I felt I was mentally broken. I know what else to do. And it, she put me on like medical leave for my job until further notice. And I was being prescribed antidepressants, and I'm just like. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought I was—I I thought we were here to fix the problem, but you tell me I have to like live with this now. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, shit got like really bad really quick. And then I'm, I'm not gonna dwell on it too much longer here. Just, just, just know that like I bounced back, but I bounced back because uh, thankfully I felt empowered by a source that you know that ultimately I have to. A, 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 a close friend of mine told me that I, I need to like you have to believe you can get over this. If you accept yeah. that this is a that you cannot beat depression or that you cannot like, um, you know, control whatever's going on with yourself, yeah, no pill will ever give you that willpower. You have to believe. You need a reason to believe. If you don't believe me, find a reason to believe. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I started, and I, I and that's where I was like digging very deep, Hutch. And I was like, okay, well, what does being happy mean? And then that's where I was like, okay, well, if I was self aware. If I was aware of, of what made me happy, I would pursue that thing or those things or those conditions over and over again because that would be a reinforcement of, of fulfillment and, a, I guess, a reason to live. And part of that also became, you know, okay, well, I think, I think legacy is a good reason to live. You know, I, 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 I do feel great fulfillment and happiness from knowing whenever I'm producing, like, evergreen content in whatever way it may be, maybe my contribution towards society by, like, the way of the arts or the way of creating content, or whatever may be here. But, you know, if I die tomorrow, I die tomorrow with no regrets because I, I did all I could with my time on this planet. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the root of everything came to be for me, where I, uh, I was able to, like, kind of become, just, as you're answering the question here, incredibly more self-aware. And, 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 and so in conclusion there, becoming self-aware would mean that, you know, when I fail, I don't, I don't shame myself for failing because when I fail, I'm getting the feedback from the failure and I'm getting the feedback for what didn't work so I can try a different option next time. Failing for, failing for the same reason multiple times, that's just, you know, that's throwing my time away. You know, I, the, you know we're all on the ticking hourglass. It only goes one direction. So, like, you know, that's to me is like, you know, the big, that's an actual, like, L to me. It's like failing for the same reason multiple times. Um, when trying different, unless you're trying, you know, if you're trying the same thing over again, but you know, if we're trying different methods to solve the problem, that's progress. You know, we're eliminating the failure options and we're getting to the inevitable successful one if one exists, you know? So that's kind of where I became more self-aware was 2011. Well, Jesus, I think you and me are brothers because uh, our stories are <laughs> incredibly similar. I, I really, 
Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, from waiting tables to the bad experience with weed that kicked off a period of depression, and anxiety. You know, I was uh, 19 years old when I first had my first bout of depression and, and I had been sort of like in the real world to a certain extent. I mean, I was living with my parents at the time, wasn't, didn't have to pay rent. And so that was one stress that I didn't have to worry about. But, you know, I, I got, <clears throat> I started working a lot. So at one point I had like five different jobs, like five different part-time jobs. And I was going to school full-time and I just burnt out. I just, I mean, who could have seen that coming, right? But I just completely burnt out. And uh, at the time, I was smoking a lot of weed, and I never had any kind of anxiety. When I smoked weed, the only time I would have anxiety is if I thought I was going to get caught or something like that, because my dad was a cop, and he was like this really strict, authoritarian, disciplinary type, type guy who just hated marijuana and, you know, caught me with it one time and almost kicked me out of the house. I literally wouldn't, would have had no place to go. And he just had, he, he was a real hard line. And so, like, I would only get paranoid if I thought I was going to get caught. Um, but the more burnt out I got, and I was also in a relationship at the time, and the person that I was with, I mean, we we're b- both young, both kids, 18, 19 years old, and she was dealing with um, post-traumatic stress from sexual assault that she experienced when she was younger, and uh, I was totally ill-equipped to handle the uh, emotions that were coming out of her at the time, and I felt like a failure because I couldn't make her happy, and uh, I just spiraled, and so I remember this one time I smoked weed and all of a sudden I felt like I felt like I was outside of my body like I normally liked to smoke weed because sort of getting outside of my head felt nice but in this particular occasion it felt really disturbing and isolating and all of a sudden I I realized just how alone we are in this world at times and that thought disturbed me and 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 then I started going going on the same train that you went down with like really intrusive thoughts um irrational thoughts that I couldn't logic my way out of. Uh, and so, you know, fears became conviction. So, uh, you know, I'm afraid I'm a bad person became, I am a bad person because of this, 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 and this, and this. And there was no, you know, I didn't talk to people about what was going on in my head. And so, I mean, I just completely spiraled out of control. Um, and, and marijuana did not, it made it so much worse at the time. I have a better relationship with marijuana now, but, um, that's good. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned, uh, not having a girlfriend but I th- you're in a relationship now right i think i've seen you post selfies mm-hmm. with me so can you talk a little yep. bit about um how do you keep your head on straight when you're dealing with all the stresses that you've been talking about while you're in a relationship sure yeah yeah um uh, yeah so um me and venom or jessica whatever we want to call her uh we got together um january 2016 uh, and we were a long distance couple and we were in ldr for about eight and a half months um you know, and uh, and then from there we moved together. Uh, to to, so that happened. Um, that was kind of crazy. We actually met through Twitch, um, which is kind of important to note here. You know, um, she was a viewer of the stream, and uh, I told her I would be at uh, actually would I would just happen to be at a convention that's like you know two hours away from where you stay. Um, if you if you want to come, you can come. She actually did a you know I told her hey look you know if you want to come that'd be cool. She did her own twenty four hour stream of her own free will. And she said that for, she used that, you know, and then I rated her, of course. She, I rated her. She did one of our streams. She raised funds to get a ticket and hotel and everything like that. And then we met at the convention and it was, it was, you know, it was a chill week. And then from there, I was like, well, well what happens now? And I, I was like, I'd never, I've never like had a girlfriend before. Um, I actually had a lot of trouble, like really getting into the whole romantic angle um, because I always, I sacrificed a lot to, to, to do Twitch. You know, a lot of my friends, some of my friends took it the wrong way. They were like, Damn, bro, you you're choosing your little game stream over us, and I'm like, 
I mean, dude, it's like, you know, this is like my passion right now. Like, you know, I, I love what I do in this, in this context here. Actually, I'm so burnt out of, of being a waiter. I do a waiter because I have to, to, to make ends meet here, but I wish I could make this something here, but I don't want to give up on it actually. So um, I had some friends that were kind of like making me pick between them and the stream. And I'm like, dude, you're fucking, you're fucking whack, dude. I'm out. So a lot of them dropped over like the 2011 to 2015 era of my streaming when I was like, still doing a waiter and I wasn't quite full time with streaming just yet. Um, but with, um, you know, but as we move on though, with, because me and her got together and we got together because I was a streamer and because of my stream success, I was able to like, kind of like put a lot of the financial offload over all the hurdles that come with LDR, you know, such as like, you know, visiting, we, we, we would try to like, you know, figure out, okay, we can do, you know, one of us can fly over to the other person once every eight weeks. That's what I can afford right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, me, you know, saving everything. Right. So like, you know, we, we did that and that got, and eventually the, the gaps between the visits were, were becoming increasingly more um, burdensome and tedious because it was like, okay, we will, we're lingering right now. What are we, what are we doing next? What's the next step here? Right, yeah. And ultimately what happened was, you know, her lease was going to renew with her sister and it was like, okay, well, either I, either I shoot the gun now and I move in with you or I renew the lease of my sister for another nine months. So what are you going to do? And I was like, I guess we're going to do it then. Cause I, I, I think we can make it work, you know? And I, you know, so we, so we did, anyways, we did that. We got together and she, and, you know, she moved to, she moved to where I stay, you know, um, she stayed in Ohio. Ohio has like shit weather half the year. And I was like, okay, well you can, I can move up there if you want me to, but you know, why don't you, but, but through her visiting me, she liked the Southern weather more, no surprise there. And, um, so she, so she moved down here and we've been ever since. You know, just now, one, obs one, the, one observation about long distance relationships and tell me if you, um, sure. if this was your experience too, is it, obviously long distance relationships are tough. The space in between, uh, can be brutal, but I'll tell you one good thing about long distance relationships is the time that you do spend together. That one time every eight weeks is fucking magical. At least that was the case for me. It was like these little oasis. Oh, you, you, wait, wait, you did LDR too? I did, yeah. I mean, um, this oh, is this was a okay. long time. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I feel like wow, our simulators are, in, are are they go very steep, huh? Our simulations okay. are very similar. Yeah, but um, so she lived in Chicago and I lived in the Bay Area, and I would go to visit her, and she would come to visit me. But it was really tough in between. I didn't. I'm not really good at talking on the phone, and I don't really like doing Skype calls. I I, I much prefer to be in in person with someone. So that it was really hard to maintain the relationship when when she wasn't around. But when we did. You know that those weekends that we did get to spend together, they felt like these. They felt like a little oasis in time, where everything was just perfect, and it made it really difficult it to say goodbye. But I mean, that was one. Did upside. you find that you um that you treated time differently? Like when me and her, when when we were together during LDR, I would literally say, okay, we have we have seventy five hours. What are we gonna do? Like like <laughs> I was rationing the hours on everything. Like sleep was like we were getting maybe like six hours a night. Just like okay, well, look, I want to take it to this park. I want to go do like, um, dude, I was, dude, I was coming up with some like crazy shit, dude. I was like, you want to go kite flying? Do you want to go like, let's go bike riding. Let's go kite flying. Let's, um, I don't know. Let's do this thing. I want to, have you ever had it? You ever had this one restaurant before? You know, I was like, I was throwing all kinds of shit on the table, dude. Just like, you no, know, I want to do everything. Well, my girlfriend was more like you. So she was the one that was really active and I was really inactive. Like she'd be like, what do you want to do? I'd be like, I don't know. Just stay inside and watch TV. I didn't think about it that way. And that was ultimately one of the reasons why we broke up is because it was just like fundamentally incompatible in that way. Oh, that didn't uh, work out. Oh, no, oh. no, no. Yeah. Well, I've been with Esme now for, um, six and a half years. So I've been, I've, you know, okay, for, okay pretty long relationship this time live around, and but, learn yeah um okay but, okay so so you were talking about your relationship and sort of like 
what I was wondering was like if you, if you go through these struggles like work stress um, or identity identity issues you know with the persona and everything, how do you, it, how do you how do you be in a relationship when you're experiencing that kind of confusion do you um, do you just tell her hey this is what's going on with me right now so if I seem out of it this is what's up or um, just how do you cope with that stuff how do you how do you make sure that it doesn't negatively impact the relationship because that's something that I've been we figuring out together for quite some time now yeah you're not wrong so the, the the probably one of the good things about being an ldr is that there's so much agony over the separation and the distance between visits that you take nothing for granted right and you value your time so it doesn't come off as like intrusive or inconsiderate to just like vibe check the shit out of everyone in every regard so it was ve- it wasn't a big deal very early on to be like look I've, I've, I value your time. So I got to get you with this real quick here. Okay. The girls that I've been romantically inclined to get with before they, they, they treat this like it's a toy or it's like a hobby. This is my job. This is my passion. This is my income. So it's a lot of things all intertwined together here. And it's not, it's not like a toy. It's not like, you know, like I've had some girls in the past, you know, before Venom who were like, Louisiana women, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to like, you know, trope all of them into the same lump of shit here. But like, uh, the girls in the past didn't understand what I was doing. Like, some some local girl I knew or whatever, and and they come over and there's like, oh, that's cute. You do your little game thing, and they would hold it as like some kind of like passive, like insecurity source. Whereas like, you know, whenever they get with their girls and they're like, they're, they and they binge watch Teen Mom or they're they're all engaged in some kind of like Facebook inner DM group gossip that that's that's like, you know that's somehow like elevated higher than what I do. And so whenever it comes to like time for her or the person, it would be like, well, you, you, I, I, you had your stream time, you know, what about me? And it's like, well, I don't think I understand how this whole thing works here. Like, this is like very different. I can't even compare this to like, you're treating it like I'm choosing the stream over you when it, you shouldn't even, I don't even entertain the framing you're giving me right now. This is unfair to me. Oh, and you so, mentioned, you mentioned you know, that your girlfriend streams too, so that's something that she would probably understand then, right? That you guys, it's more than just We drew that line very quickly. Yeah. Where like, listen, you can't, you, you, I need you to understand here that you can never make it like me, like the stream or you. It needs to, like, we need to be in synergy because like the stream is what made us possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't really enjoy, it might be getting too personal here, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't really enjoy having this animosity angle of like, you know, that, you know, I'm the one being entitled because of streaming. Streaming is what makes the financial stability right now possible. It's what made our distance actually work out here. And, you know, this was like a, this was like a thing that, not, not, this is never a problem, by the way. This is more like a, I, I did a big vibe check early into our relationship to be like, are we on the same page here? Do you understand? Like, this is like my, 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 my hard, my hard zone right here. You can tell me your hard zones. I'm probably a better name than that. Actually, your, your, your hard unpassable rocks or whatever and we can and it's all about change you know i'm asking you to do this change for me if this is something you disagree with and you know i'll change for you you change for me and then that middle point becomes when we're officially in harmony of understanding one another and those reasons why did you ever you know? get a sense oh. of satisfaction from uh, being more like uh, being more of a bread runner in the relationship? Did it did it fulfill any kind of like protector uh, protector role that you might have had for yourself? Because I've had uh, that experience too. Actually, yeah, yeah. I would argue that the hardest part of the relationship was actually nothing to do with like any of the things I expected here. The whole like distance, overcoming distance, her family, interracial couple. Like all the surface level stuff was actually very easy because we were both were intelligent beings that understood 
and I and I projected or or projected I I forecasted I guess the word I'm looking for here predicted all those things. Um, so I was able to like bring it to conversation and be like, okay, do you agree on how we handle this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing? Um, as as, as well as her too, it'd be her. She bring things to the table as well, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was actually the um the notoriety gap, me being trihex, and then her being not Venom, but rather Trihex's girlfriend. That actually brought a lot of struggle in the beginning here. She had a lot of, um, she had a lot of like overwhelmed um, insecurities that, that were coming to surface because of, of that. Actually. Sure. Yeah. Who wouldn't in that spot? Um, that I had, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I would argue, yeah, anyone going that is going to be, it's going to be really, really hard here because you feel like you have to, because it, it kind of compels you to feel like you need to validate yourself here. You're like, you know, well, who are you? What do you do? You know, da, 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 da. And, you know, it's like, so her streaming became like a, a weird point of a pain point of some toxicity. Um, you know, when we go to TwitchCon, you know, microaggressions. Hey, I'm using this word unironically here, but microaggressions that would be like, you know, are you Trix's girlfriend? You know, they'd ask her that. Right, right, you know, yeah, she's yeah. only notable because of being with me, not even because of her own her own worth and all that. So it just it would uh it would hit it would hit her pretty hard actually. Um and I, I didn't even really know how to help her deal with that because I don't know. I, I I also barely really know what being a streamer is doing to me mentally either, actually, you know, at that yeah. time. Yeah, luckily, so, luckily, yeah. luckily with, with Esme, she works in the industry too, so she's, um, the concepts, are, you know, that surround sort of like what I do for a living are not alien to her. But, um, yeah, there was something similar in the beginning where I think there was like a mismatch of like quote-unquote status. And um, I didn't really have like the... I can't say that I had like the, the biggest ego when we got together. I was pretty, I was pretty crushed. I was coming off of like a really low point in my life. So I felt really deflated. So I didn't see myself as any, uh, having any kind of like, I just didn't recognize that kind of status in the way, in the way that she did. Luckily we've been together for so long now that she knows that I'm not shit and none of this means anything. So like I much prefer it that way. Um, it's just, you can, it, it makes it a lot easier to connect, but here, so like we're bouncing around a lot, but there's one thing, one more thing that I wanted to get to. Um, and then I wanted to ask you about the fitness stuff. So you mentioned sure. that you went through a period of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, my question to you is how did you know that you were, uh, no longer in that spot? Cause in my experience, it's not like it happens right away. It's not like a goodwill hunting moment where Robin Williams puts his hand on your shoulder and says it's not your fault, and then you break down and cry, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're much better. It's something that happened really slowly. Uh, and my own personal barometer for that kind of thing was uh, suicidal ideation was a big part of my depression story. I thought about it constantly. I just thought about it like if I'm in all this pain and this is, this is just going to be something I think of as a way to get out of that pain, and I would sort of be walking around and I would, I would think to myself, you know, I haven't had a, any kind of a suicidal thought in like two weeks and that's how I knew things were getting better. So I'm just asking, I'm, I'm just curious, like how did you know that you had gotten better or, or was it a burning bush Ooh. epiphany that happened and then all of a sudden you felt better? Well, uh, you bring you, you, the way you present it was actually a very, uh, particular way. Um, well, so first how it happened for me was, uh, when, when the, the, the period where I was actually depressed. Okay. So, so the, for a quick timeline here the 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 what's it called k k9 k2 the k the k2 spice incident so the synthetic weed that was black friday 2010 and then um the actual episodic breakdown that was like 
February 2011. That's whenever, like, I, uh, that's whenever, what happened was I just stopped eating. Um, I woke up one morning after having a really bad panic attack that I just kind of, like, didn't know what to do. I just eventually just fell asleep. Watch I fell asleep crying, which I had never, which I had never done before. Like, it was, like, there were so many weird things happening. I was, like, I would just cry for no reason. I would, uh, mm -hmm. I would feel vulnerable. I would get incredibly, um, Dog, I was going through some weird shit, man. People don't so feel safe. What happened was that night, like, people, I uh, the sun that, went. Sorry, people, ahead, I'm just going to say, like, people that you know, people you're familiar with, they no longer feel safe. When you're in that spot, like, nothing feels safe. Uh, that's that's how I felt. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, so, what happened was that night, the sun went down. Like, the sun just set like it normally does any given day at my mom's house, whatever. And I had an irrational thought that the sun would never come up again. And that it was going to be darkness forever. And not only that, but also it would get proceed it would get progressively darker. Like 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 a like a like a like a TV screen set to zero percent brightness. It would just get darker and darker and darker until I couldn't see anymore. And I started like and as and because technically it was getting darker outside, I just had this irrational thought that I couldn't get out of my head and I couldn't like I couldn't beat it out with logic. And it had me getting incredibly sad for no reason. And I didn't know how to really stop it. And I started crying and then I cried to sleep. And then the next morning I wake up and I'm not hungry anymore. Like I, I I'm, I'm like zero hunger. Um, I, I didn't want to eat anything. Yep. I like, I was overwhelmed with like emotion, uh, really, Im I can only describe it as an imbalanced emotional state. Like I'm talking like there was like zero desire for sexual, anything attraction. There was like zero, anything going on down there. It was yep. like completely on a whole other spectrum, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. like I'm yep. home alone. I'm, it's my day off and I have like zero desire to like anything, porn, video games, movies, music, like nothing. I, I, sat outside and just kind of was like well, what's wrong with me why am i i feel mentally broken right now yeah so i stopped anyways the point is i stopped eating and i desired companies i didn't like I, I didn't like how my thoughts were in my head and i had nothing to distract myself from my own thoughts like my head was kind of its own prison uh -huh. so i wanted to be around people which was like a like a really in like a really weird way i wanted to like just tell me about you because right now me is nothing there's nothing in me right now other yeah. than pain yeah. right and um, so what, how I got over it, though, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of details here about this, but how I got over it was officially I was hungry again. I, I desired food. I had lost something like 10 pounds over the course of like, dude, it might have been like four days, dude. Because again, this was also, you know, literally that day was the day like I told my mom, hey, I, I don't feel good. Can you just like sit in my room with me, please? And just kind of like tell me about your day. Like I, it was like, it, there were yeah. so many red flags. My mom was like, what the fuck, what is, what is wrong with you right now? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to be alone. Well, and I, I don't think that's a good way of dealing with it though. I, Cause I think um, like, uh, you know, in many ways, uh, depression in many ways is a, is a, is a disease of self-centeredness when you think about it. So, so one of the best antidotes that you can, that you can give yourself when you're in that spot is to ask somebody else how their day is going or, Ask uh, or just be of service to somebody else. Take it's something as simple as just taking their 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 trash can to the side of the sidewalk, or just, like getting outside of yourself. I think is a good is a good way of dealing with it. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. you, you intuitively went in the right direction, so that's good. Out of desperation, honestly, but yeah, yeah. And so, so from there, you know, the next day, my mom takes off from work and she takes her to a doctor, and we go to the doctor and I tell the doctor. At this point, I told my mom yet about the whole like the K two weed shit, so. At this point, I was desperate. I didn't know what to do anymore. I thought I had like a stomach flu because I wasn't hungry. I wasn't eating anything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling the doctor what happened. I'm spilling my guts out and I end up crying, uh, telling the story of the, 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 the traumatizing panic attacks I was having while being high and then having a, a panic attack about the panic attack, essentially. Yep. And uh, mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, you, you need to take, you, you need to chill out. So I'm, I'm, you, you have anxiety. 
you sound fucked up in the head. I need to like, she didn't say that literally, but you know, just I'm paraphrasing her. And she, she put me on some like 50 milligram uh, trial dose of some antidepressant. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I came here for a stomach virus. I didn't come here. I'm not mentally broken. Mm-hmm. I'm not mentally, I'm, I'm not broken. Right. Am I? Yep. I'm like 22 years old. What the fuck do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm depressed. About what? So, you know, and so honestly, being told that you're depressed from like a, a licensed professional just made me like, damn, dude, I'm, 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 I'm touch. I'm, I'm fucked. Yeah. That's all I could say. I'm like, I'm broken. I, yeah. how do I fix this? I, I was prepared for a flu virus, not a fucking, not mental shit. Yeah. I don't know what to even do right now, dude. So I, so yeah, I was like really, really down and I wasn't, so then, so now I'm like incredibly sad, actually worse than I was before with this like label now and the stigma that I'm mentally broken and this is going to be the new normal potentially. Um, so I wasn't hungry anymore. I, I, I lost all desire to eat. I was just not, I had no appetite. I would, I would chug through Gatorade for the electrolytes and some level of like sodium, but like, um, but yeah, I was definitely not eating anything physical. I, I would, I would gag it up. So I was like, I was yeah. looking gauche. Um, I, I, I looked fatigued. I was not getting good sleep. My, uh, my dreams were vivid and horrible and just, I would wake up in cold sweat. Um, you know, I wanted my mom to stay in the room really bad. I did not like when I was alone. I remember having some, dude, get this right. I was so fucked that I would put on the sports. I put on the tennis channels. We had, we had satellite TV at the time here. I'd put on the tennis channel because the tennis was a, a daylight broadcasted special. Mm-hmm. So the daylight that I was that the, from the tennis special is what reassured me that it would become it the sun would come up tomorrow. So I still had that irrational fucking twenty four seven darkness going on from like fucking four days ago. Still, wow. Every time the sun would set, I would freak out and be like, "Oh God, dude, how do I?" Ugh. Dude, it was it was it was that with everything. There was like irrational fears controlling and giving me random panic attacks all fucking day, and I didn't know how to stop them, dude. So yeah. I, I was. I was fucked, but to answer your question, it was, I finally had hope, and I was hungry for the first time in, like, four days, and that's whenever I knew I was coming back. Well, some people, when they get really stressed, they eat a lot, and uh, they have the opposite reaction, and sometimes they get really big, but uh, I'm like you, so if I'm really stressed about something, my appetite it just gets completely tanked. Like, uh, I don't think I ate more than a Chick-fil-A sandwich on election day, 2020, for example, cause I was so physically stressed. <laughs> and when I get stressed like that, <sighs> if I eat food, I feel like I'm going to immediately throw it back up again. Um, uh, so yeah, that's a good, I mean, I guess that's an easy marker for you to, 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 to sort of intuitively understand, okay, maybe I'm getting better. Maybe I'm, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then you also hit on, um, the stigma of, of having a label attached. So like, it's one thing to be go through, going through it, but then when you go to a professional and say, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to diagnose you with like major depression, major depression or a major depressive episode or something like that. All of a sudden I had the same exact thought where it's like, holy shit, I'm 21 years old. If this is going to be my life for the rest of my life, like, why do I even want to live? Like if this is going to be a struggle, I didn't have the, the sense or the knowledge or the experience back then to understand that life is very fluid and states of mind are transient and, and you're never going to be the same thing forever. Um, if you, if you just go out and live a life, you will change. Your feelings will change. You know, the, the old adage, this too shall pass is something that I've sort of lived my life by. And then as you get older and, and you have these experiences and you make it through, you develop a sense of resilience. So it might get really bad, but then you can draw on these experiences of crawling back from that, 
uh, throughout your life. And, and, and you can say to yourself in the moment, okay, well, I'm going through something really difficult right now. It's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to eat. It's hard to sleep. It's hard to communicate it with, communicate with people or just sort of exist in the world. But I've crawled out of this exact same situation, you know, three, four, five times before I know I can do it again. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, to be honest with you, is to sort of give people that are going through experiences like that right now the benefit of our experience so they can, if they, if they don't see it within themselves that they're able to get out of these experiences, maybe they can hear our story and then draw inspiration from that. Well, if this person can do it, well, I, I can do it. That's basically the entire point of the podcast. Um, and I think what you said is a good segue to get into fitness too, because obviously if you're going to beef up, you got to eat a particular amount of calories. So what does the, the what has this fitness journey done for you uh physically emotionally and mentally everything um i don't even know how i even dealt with streaming before fitness because fitness is definitely a great outlet for me on a lot of things um i guess before i will say probably the one remnant i, I can think of that's definitely been messing with me for a long time with that with having a lacking uh father figure um is that I seek validation and I needed constant validation from my community that I was a worthwhile person as shallow as that sounds. Um, and once I started to work out, I no longer working out and getting my fitness goals met was giving me fulfillment that made me actually okay with not being number one at everything I did gaming wise. Right. How's that? That makes sense. Like, how do how, how does that work? Because I, mean, does, I, I I suppose do you mean just setting personal goals and then reaching them was filling fulfilling that need within you, and so you no longer needed it as much from your chat. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except except it was all that, but subconsciously, I didn't even know what I desired or what I was doing. I was kind of like just not even. I was nowhere near as aware of the situation as I am now. Okay. But I'll, I'll I'll I can demonstrate to you how it would manifest though. I told myself, Trihex will play other games when I get world record at the current game I'm speedrunning. And the problem is I would never get world record because I, I was never like a... Because I would, I, would, I would feel too entitled to already being the best. I wasn't putting in like legitimate, um, humble, uh, objective-based practice. I would just be like, okay, no, I have to keep doing attempts to get the record because I'm already good enough to get the record. When in reality, you need to do more practice to deconstruct my, my habits to be able to grow at the, at the craft. Okay. I'm getting nitty gritty right now, but sure. just know that my mental, um, my mental blocked me from seeing the objective reality of how to get better at a game. And because I felt entitled to already being the best, I felt like I was a number one player who just had an off season rather than putting in the, the lab work to literally have a craft that was worthy of being number one at the game. Gotcha. So because of that, I would never play other games. I, I, would, I would always trap myself and be in this like thought of, I hate who I am right now, but I love who I, who I will be one day. Like, 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 more like a temporary embarrassed millionaire or, uh, or a poor person who is a temporary embarrassed eventual millionaire. Does that, does that make sense? Yep. And, um, so, and, and doing the, getting into a regular exercise routine was something that helped you to get out of that mindset. Is that what you mean? Yes, because I was actually meeting, I was actually getting goals fulfilled, unlike in speedrunning, where I was just in a perpetual loop of bullshit. Oh, that's Yeah, great. I was, you yeah. know, started working out. I was uh, started getting the tips from some, some friends who were lifting as well. My, my social circle quickly became a lot of people who were lifting at the gym. 
I met them, asked them what they were doing, what were their tips, what were they eating, um, stuff like that. And, just, you know, I learned a lot in that year and a half of just like being at Planet Fitness and kind of growing from there because I could afford the time, couldn't afford a real gym. And then as I leveled up and I committed to going to a more intense gym with more free weights and more exercises, I was able to like push further on my physique. And I think that the gym gave me a much healthier mental loop and a mental path, yeah. which was like, um, which was transforming my stream as well. I was, there's no secret here that I, as I was working out more and more often, my stream numbers were getting better because I was just like becoming a way more confident, easygoing person. I wouldn't let like one, yeah. one, one, uh, failure of uh, one fail sour my entire move. Cause I'm like, no, I'm try hex. No, I'm, I'm lifting. I'm working out. We're doing our thing. This is just, you know, this is just today's game. No big deal though. We're going to get it tomorrow or whatever. That's, that's great. I think that's great. Um, how did you, okay. So I'm in week three right now. I'm starting to feel okay. a little, I was real motivated the first couple of weeks and I'm starting to feel it just a little, little bit of that motivation. Just teeter. How did you, um, what were the first three months like for you? How did you maintain inspiration and drive to stay on the path and, and keep okay. working towards your goals? There are a couple of things that I did different in my first like year than maybe you're probably doing right now. And I think what you're doing is wrong, but one, I made fitness my number one priority. I, I felt like there was no point in streaming if I could not get fitness under control at that point. So I, I, I really, really, really wanted to get under control. So I, I would literally go to the gym when my one friend would go lift. And frustratingly, he would go lift like at five o'clock. So it was like really annoying. So I had to literally like, I'd go live for like two hours and then and go offline and go lift with him for four hours. You know, and we would do like, you know, getting there, warm up, two hours of lifting, one hour of cardio, cool down, shower, and then come back live again and do another three hour stream. What like I would literally fuck? destroy my stream schedule to make, working out with him because making it social and essentially I treated like more like I was being a gym apprentice, which gave me a, which was a really good way for me to skip all the beginning insecurity bullshit. Like, how you know, many, I was going to live with do what he does. How many fucking days in a, in a week did you do that? You're saying you do, you would do two hours of lifting and one hour of cardio. Yes. And how many days yeah. a week did you do that? Five. You I would do Okay, so the other thing I'm here too, remember, I look at my mental though. My mental was like, my mental was if I'm not number one, what's the point? In that same context, it was I, had, I was going through some some self worth shits. So I was like, okay, look, I gotta be, I gotta get fucking insane, or it's worthless. I gotta be tri hex fit, or this is or this is stupid. That's what I told myself at the time. I know it, it's stupid, it's impractical. I don't even do that now, but like. I was on some big self-destructive loops at the time here, and I felt like the only way I can get over them is if I had, like, the physique. Like, I needed, I needed abs. I needed 12% body fat. I needed visible ab definition. Um, I needed to be so fit that not, that not one hater could tell me shit. I didn't want to hear anyone tell me, you skip leg day. No, fuck you. My legs are ridiculous. Oh, you're, your chest is kind of bad. No, fuck you. My chest is fucking dumb good. What's up, son? <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I needed I needed like unapologetic validation, and it was pretty unhealthy. Sadly. I mean, were, were you like, were people actually saying that shit to yourself, or were you just sort of projecting that? Into uh, your head? Dude, it, it, it would be like some one off shitters in Twitch chat, but I, I but because I, I had like paper thin skin, I didn't know, I didn't know how to deal with that. You know, yeah. I was used to because of being a waiter, I was used to being loved. I I, I never had to really, really deal with like dealing with asshole people. I only dealt with manipulating them into liking me. 
So whenever yeah. it came to Twitch, I I kind of had an extension of of of, of being a server, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know how to deal with that. Again, this is my like amateur diagnosis of what was going on back in 2014 in my own mental head. I don't I don't even fucking know at this point. I think I'm a lot better at it now. I don't seek that level of validation from chat in a parasocial way mm -hmm. anymore, you know. But at that time, though, yeah, that's why I got so fit because I was like, I literally would only eat like I hardcore ate only the the healthiest of foods i was super restrictive on everything i cut everyone off who would tell me otherwise i you know my mom thought i was starving myself um i didn't care i was like no i've got to get this or die trying this mm -hmm. was kind of how I, how I took it it wasn't the the healthiest i well i don't know it was it was technically healthy but i think my mental was not healthy though honestly because i thought once i once i achieved it that everything would be great but the problem was it wasn't like you know I, um, by November, 2015, I, I, I met it. I, you know, I was like, I was, I was like, you know, 165. You probably took one of the pictures here, actually. You know, if you go back to my, back to my Instagram and go down on 2016, you'll see like, you know what I was looking like. And it was like, you know, I was a lot, I was a lot tinier than I am now. Uh, I have a lot more muscle now than, than I did then. But I, then I was like, I was like super fucking cut. And, uh, I thought, you know, I thought I would, I would be happier, you know, but I was more disciplined, but it didn't magically solve everything, honestly. You know, I still had to, like, work through a lot of shit. Yeah. Ultimately, if um, to keep it short. But, yeah, I was going to the gym five days a week with him. I was, again, but, again, the guy I was lifting with was, like, super fucking fit. So I just thought, okay, well, he essentially pretend that I'm Krillin. He's Goku. He's Goku. He's what I want to look like. So if I just lift with him like him and work out like him, I will get that result. And he was very nice, and he like let me be his apprentice. So I was, I was, I would just live with him. I did his routine. I would ask him questions every day. I was writing shit down. I was like, all right, cool, no bullshit. This is what this is what he did to get there. I can do that too. And so I did. Well, you mentioned and that, that, that was my first three months. It's very different than I, I imagine your three months right now, though, comparatively. Well, I'm, I'm I've been going five days a week, but not. <laughs> I do two days of like lifting with a personal trainer and then three days of cardio because I want to ease into it. I don't want to, I don't want to set my goals too high and then fail to meet them and then be so discouraged that I don't want to continue doing it. So yeah, yeah, not, yeah. you don't I'm have not, to do. Yeah. I'm not in a big rush. I, actually, I would tell you to do it very different than how I did it. Honestly, that was like me on some like super validation shit. Um, yeah. You're doing fine. Honestly, the whole thing there is like in the beginning, if you're like, if you're new to at it, your, your body's got to adapt to the task at hand. So like, you're going to be like, you have, maybe a lower muscle percentage and therefore when you're doing these like strength conditional training segments yeah. they're gonna fuck you up and you're gonna you're gonna be sore for like five days yeah you'll heal eventually and then you go again you might be sore for four days you'll heal again eventually as long as you're eating a, like, enough protein in a, in a relatively clean diet yep and your, your heal times will get shorter as your body's adapting to the task at hand it's already like yeah, that's, that's already the case but i'm sitting here my dude i'm sitting here with fucking 12 pound dumbbells curling it and by by the 10th rep i'm fucking sweating and my, i'm going into muscle failure so i got a little bit of work to do we got we got to build a little bit of muscle but i have but i haven't been exercise hasn't been a part of my routine for the last 10 years so i'm you know i, oh. I, I consider that Ooh. a success so um but you mentioned you, there? You, you you mentioned parasocial relationships and sort of like the nature of what you do and that's that's yeah. something that's something else that i've talked about with every other creator that's come on is 
um, how much of your um, it, it, how much of your mental health is tied to your community feedback, your analytics, and how do you avoid some of those um, pitfalls? Because I don't know about you. I mean, like you do this for ten years or twelve years, you're gonna have peaks and you're gonna have valleys. So you're gonna you're gonna have times where you're absolutely crushing in your numbers, and you're gonna have times where you're looking at your numbers like, okay, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to fix? And it's really hard to manage that stress. And so I'm wondering, how do you manage that stress? Or are you just always on the top of your game? And you're just doing great these days. You actually caught me in the middle of a revolution on that one. Um, so I'll, I'll break it down as essentially I've been going through three big phases. Phase one was, well, really phase zero was like pre-full-time, which was like never. I was always handicapped by like my ability to commit time and put the put real effort into growing my community and growing my stream. But once I became full-time, I went full time and like two months two months later, Mario Maker One happened to come out. So I I went from like six hundred viewer person to suddenly, you know, four thousand viewer minimum, literally overnight. Like it was like literally like on off like one day later. It was insane. It's not and too I had to shady. quickly adjust to everything. And it was uh this was like in twenty fifteen, by the way, it's like forever ago. Yeah. But um what happened though was that, you know, I was not trained in the arts of like I didn't get like a gradual build where I had I was able to like learn and adapt and grow and change. No, I was like a seventy-five thousand follower person who suddenly had like a, you know, an eight thousand percent view count bump, and so I didn't really know how to deal with it. All I knew was like the view count. So I thought, okay, well, if I play Mario Maker, my view count's fat. When I play when I, when I play non Mario Maker, my view count's half that. And I never properly understood what that meant. So I would just keep giving the audience what they wanted, which was Mario Maker. I never actually like made effort to like sell myself rather i just gave them what they want which is more and more mario so they came for the mario from the mario directory they weren't coming to the trihex from their following page i would imagine in, yeah. a, in a simple simple form so i did that and view count was king for a very very long time and then um I'm sorry, what was the question again? All right, I'll kind of what's going on. So, I'm sorry. oftentimes with creators, their moods, their states of mind is determined by their analytics <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, community feedback. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, so so yeah, at, at the beginning it was view count was my validation, and then and then eventually I moved on to um, eventually I moved on to better uh, trying to find happiness because I was no longer happy. So I was I was now prioritizing just like not getting burnt out and becoming happy. But I didn't know how to do that exactly yet. I was kind of figuring that out. Yeah, and I can say now now we're in phase three. Phase three really is like okay, I can I can play meta. And, and be popular, I suppose if I really, really wanted to, I don't think I get much fulfillment out of being a, a trend chaser in that context. Uh -huh. I, I, I find much more fulfillment in returning to my roots as a speedrunner. But why did I enjoy speedrunning? It was because I was producing evergreen content. I was making content that would, that would have momentum towards a greater goal of legacy, if you will. I can, I can be, you know, the a whatever right like a trendy among us player or a trendy whatever whatever you know i can i can do some like ironic hot tub stream shenanigans if i wanted to or whatever right but like this is all like the topic of the month or, or the flavor of the month or whatever like what's unapologetically trihex what's the most trihex thing i can do that no one else can do better than me and that to me is evergreen content you will you will unup you will identify it as specifically of me unapologetically and so now i look at okay let's look let's let's build that up more let's do more of that because that one that is very motivating to me two i am passionate as fuck about doing that rather than having to like 
let the the analytics de- uh, steer me towards what's optimal and the short term of what gets metric boosted and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm looking at it now. Yeah. And uh, my community has been very, uh, it's not, you know, whatever, right? Quote unquote, it's not as voluminous as like other streamers who have the notoriety of comparable of I do, mm-hmm. but they're, they're my homies and uh, they're ride or die. And they're, they, I think I thrive on my, my, my branding of being genuine and down to earth. Like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't do any of the, the gimmicky shit, I guess, or, or any mm-hmm. kind of like gimmicks or whatever. I don't think you do either. And I'm thinking it's automatically bad. I mean, I mean, Doc, I've just those like, you know, really great gimmicks actually. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I am now. So I'm trying to like, you know, build up evergreen content. I, I, I can get into what I mean by that. If you want to hear more about that, but that's, that's what we, that's what I do now. I, I handle the, the, uh, the community better now by just being a lot more open about what I'm trying to do. I used to feel like it was a tacky fourth wall breaking by telling my community like what I'm insecure about. You know, if I ever told them that the view count sucks or that the sub count's dropping or that honestly chat, I don't really know what to do right now because I'm kind of bored of everything at this point. What do I, what do I do? I don't even, yep. know what to even do, you know, yep. I used to be scared to like, even like complain about anything like you because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a streamer. You know, I, you know, I'm, I made it. I'm in the top 0.1%. There's fucking 3.5 million broadcasts out there per month of which 50,000 are partners of those partners. Only like the top, I don't even fucking know, like the top, 4,000 get above 100 viewers or whatever. Like, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're me and you are like, we're, we're like way, way, way up there. And, you know, how dare I show emotional vulnerability or any kind of yeah. like, you know, unapologetic gratefulness for the privilege of where I am right now. Well, but, I just, you know, sadly, I, I, my emotions are valid. And, you know, this, this shit puts a toll on you in certain ways that people are uniquely unprepared for. So... Yeah, you yeah. go, th- you you do go through that at times, and it can be it can be stressful. But 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 the longer you do it, I think like the more you build up a sense of uh, self confidence. Like just like we were talking about before about um about getting through something like a major depressive episode or panic attacks or anxiety. Once you do that a few times, you realize okay, well there are remedies to this situation. I don't you know I'm not going to be stuck in that place forever. Similarly, when you do this job, and this is free, I, I I imagine there are a lot of aspiring creators in my chat, a lot of aspiring creators in your chat, and this is just something to to keep in mind short term you might experience explosive growth uh, but if you're interested in doing it long term you're going to have to find a way just like trihex said to do this in a way where you're not going to burn out so if that means sacrificing some some viewership to make sure that you're doing something that you find personal personally fulfilling i think that's probably better in the long run to uh maintain this kind of thing as a job um but it, it can be incredibly stressful and if, if you don't have your head on straight and if you don't have maybe a good partner or some good friends to sort of anchor you to um you know who you really are uh, apart from all this you know webcam lights and webcams and fancy fancy mics and stuff like that you're gonna have a hard time so um figuring out a way to to, to stay authentic to yourself is challenging it's something that um uh, the, the challenges can change over time too so you have to be able to adapt but uh, yeah i like the way that you put it. i think that's i think that's i that's my approach to streaming as well and i i appreciate seeing that in other people too like i just like you said i could 
chase trends if I want to do that. And I don't even hold grudges against people that do that. In fact, in some yeah, ways, yeah, yeah. in some ways, I'm kind Good of elaboration there. Neither do I actually. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous of those people to be honest. I wish I didn't have these kind of hangups where you know I, I just have certain hangups about that stuff. And if I didn't have a lot of these hangups, maybe I would have like an extra zero at the end of my bank account. But it's okay if I don't because at the end of the day, my life is pretty. You know, I love my life. I have a really great life. Pretty bitch. Pretty, 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 pretty yeah. privileged. You know? Honestly, the way you're alluding to right now, I'm the same way when it comes to people who, who, um, who can, and I don't want to say it's like, it's not mean that you're an idiot, but if you can entertain a simpler worldview that, you know, if I'm a good person, I go to heaven. If I'm a bad person, I go to hell. And as long as I, you know, as long as I live eth- ethically and I treat those how, how they want to be treated or I treat people how I would want to be treated, yada, yada, yada. As long as I do all like the whatever, all the basic good moral foundations of, of X religion or whatever, yeah. I'll be fine. Like such a simple worldview, you don't, you know, you essentially the fear of death is solved. The, the concept of afterlife is solved. The, the, the concept of legacy is solved. Like, you know, your, your world, every, every major phil- philosophical situation you can think of is pretty much solved there if you take those all at, well, most of them are taken, are, are, are solved. You take that at face value. And if you can just entertain that like, wholeheartedly, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, then I'm just going to find love and live life and have a happy life and then I'll have the afterlife. And yeah, that's, I wish I could you know, just, it, it, it was that simple to me, but do, I can't lie to myself in that regard. So, do you, you know, ever, I have um, to be uh, Sorry. Um, do you ever get into um, existential shit? Like sometimes, like I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a there's a YouTube channel. Chat, help me out. We've watched this. I've gotten high on stream. We've watched it together a couple times. It's a it's a time lapse of the universe. Melody Sheep is a YouTube channel, and there's a there's a 30 minute video where it's a time lapse of what's going to happen um, to the entire universe. And and basically, spoiler alert, it's going to get real cold and real dark. And it's like, I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. So if I'm really stressed about something, I just imagine what is life going to be like a trillion, 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 trillion years from now in the universe. And it brings me calm for some reason. I don't know why that is. I could talk to my therapist about it, but it makes me, it makes me question the things that I stress about here on this earthly plane. And it makes it, it makes it all seem so trivial. All these insecurities that I have, all these stresses that I have about the future, things that haven't even happened yet, all these regrets I have about the past, all that sort of just fades away when I consider the fact that everything is going to basically fade to dust eventually in this universe. Um, do you ever, do you ever go down that road? I'm curious. Yeah. Just to make sure we're on the same page here. Like what you're generally getting at here is like what, you know, like how the the sun, a star, has been around for five billion years, and generally, in another five billion, it's going to expand with its uh, with its gases, and then eventually consume the Earth in its entirety, mm-hmm. and then it'll eventually like explode, and it'll it'll probably wipe out half the solar system, and, and then there'll and, and, and that's, that's going to really happen with every star across the universe, right? Until, yeah, right. Uh, so we're, we're talking about like okay, let's make sure we're on the same page. We're talking about yeah. like, you know, like the literal simulation of what happens between now and like the end of our planet, anything, anything within proximity. Unless the end we, like, of the universe, really start... the end of time. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've never, I've never entertained that because I'm like, well, as if us humans are even going to be around, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to either extract all the natural resources of this planet long before it's actually inevitably due for the, the sun to explode or, you know, we're going to just, I don't know, we're going to continue to do the, 
um, mankind, uh, man-made activity that will just will eventually migrate to another planet and just extract further here. I, I've never really entertained it in the in a philosophical inevitability context. I've only more entertained like a simulation of like what human society does in an evolutionary state, which is probably fine, you know, planet X, and then we just kind of like we we eventually adopt space travel to be able to go to another planet and just kind of do and but do it better. You know, we do all the all the harmful man-made activity we do it on another planet. We just kind of just transport. I'm getting technical now, but yeah, we essentially just like transport. That, uh, but even none of that matters because there's going to there's going to it's going to come to a point in this universe inevitably where every single planet, every single inhabitable planet that exists in the universe right now will no longer be inhabitable. I don't know why that just brings me comfort, and maybe that makes some people feel uncomfortable, but it just does. It just makes me stress out a little bit. It less. brings you comfort because ultimately everything feels trivial by by a modern scope of of the day to day on this planet. It brings me comfort. I'm trying to understand, like, why, why, why though? Why does it make bring comfort? It brings me comfort because it makes me. It it gives me a perspective that that brings me to a place where I come to a realization that the things that I stress about. I mean, obviously, you have to stress about getting your basic needs met, so having shelter and clothes and food and and that kind of thing. Like, you naturally, you need to stress about that because if you want to live, if you want to continue to live, you got to do those things. Everything else feels just so ridiculous to me to stress about when I focus on that one fact that inevitably we're all headed to the same place, no matter what we do, no matter what we accomplish in this world, no matter what sort of ego-driven accomplishments we want to get done in our lifetime, you know, what fucking difference does it make? When I die, it's going to be a miracle if, people, if anybody is still talking to me 10 years after I die. Within fifty years, no one's going to be talking about. Within within a hundred years, no one will even know. No one will even even have known that I exist. So to some people, that would be depressing, but to me, it it brings me comfort because um, it makes me live in the moment. It makes me appreciate the things that are right in front of me right now, and uh, and it gets me out of my head. It gets me out of my ego a little bit. I think. Anyways, it's called the time lapse of the universe. the The channel on YouTube is called Melody Sheep. So if you're looking for something to watch, yeah, one of your tonight, mods dropped a link for me here, actually. So I, I have it now. I'll, Dude, I'll, I'll I will have to. You know what I'll do? Actually, you should watch I'm it with your stream. To, you should watch it with your. I'm gonna so watch good. it with my. I was saying the same thing. I was. I'm, I'm gonna react, Andy. I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what just chatting does best. I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch it on stream. And are you, are you gonna do that tonight? Because I want to watch you do that. Actually, now I'm curious. <laughs> Not tonight. Um, tonight I'm too tired. Tonight right. I want to. I want to do that when I'm like, really, um, like on point. I will let you know when though. I, yeah, I'll, send me a DM because I, I want to watch you react to that. Okay. No, no, no. I got yeah. you. Got you. Just that you know. Um. Well, one. I um. I don't know if you knew. I did like an. I did an eighteen and a half hour stream. I'm sorry. I did an unplanned eighteen and a half hour stream. Uh. E- Two days ago, I know it's days are weird to me now. The last okay. day of E3, which, which was Tuesday, I nice. did an unplanned eighteen and a half hour stream, and then I had to recover, and then I worked out, and uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fuzzy right now. That's why I'm so behind. I didn't even like, dude, dog, I didn't even get home from the gym because I was like, I had such a groggy time getting out of bed. Some other bullshit was going on, and uh, yeah, I haven't been on point ever since then. I like, that like, staying up late to that extent plus working out equals horrible. That's a horrible idea. That's an incredibly unhealthy thing to do. Like, well, well, I'm not a fan of the 24 hour meta of like marathon streaming and all that. Generally speaking, neither am I, but you've actually been, I wouldn't have even guessed that you've actually been one of the most interesting people that I've had to come on and you've, um, uh, driven the conversation in a really organic and natural way. And, uh, you just seem so open about this stuff and comfortable. And so, you know, I, on behalf of my chat, I just want to say thank you for coming on. And that was the other thing I was going to wrap it up. So that was good. It was good that you told me you were tired because I was going to wrap it up anyways here. But, um, 
Yeah, man. Uh, you know, you, you didn't have to. I always like to tell people like you, you were very generous with your time. We don't even know each other. You decided to come on and like do this podcast. It's not, it's not like a paid appearance. Uh, so, uh, uh, we have so much. And we still haven't even touched the service on us. It's more of an interview. It wasn't really like a like a we have like so much. We really got to talk about uh, more stuff, too. I still have to like uh, I'd love to pick your brain more on the on the politics side, too, actually, because I, I feel like you uh your worldview on your on what you find pr a productive engagement within U.S. politics seems very uh, particular. It kind of reminds me of how I approach it, I would say. Just so super, I, I would love to. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to do that one of these days, we can link up in the dams and then like come yeah, back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and I, you know, I'm, and I'll, I'll initiate because I, you, you're being you're being a really good friend because I I feel honestly no. I'm sorry. Let, let me end on this point because this is the one thing I, I we didn't touch on that I think is actually one of the more distinguishable things about me here. You said you said in the very beginning of this interview session that like um that my tweets are always pop or positive or something or something like that something flattering. You just kind of honestly, positivity. dude. I find social media incredibly draining, and I no longer enjoy it. I, I've I've been very inactive on Twitter recently because I'm I'm trying to like really build up how do I make it work. Like at one point, I used to enjoy um tweeting. Like I would I would be in, I was like a vanilla impulsive tweeter. I would just fire off my thoughts as they were coming at me and not really, and I have no filter, you know, in context of how it would be perceived. And then that was me before I was like a 10, had 10,000 followers. Then, I don't know, then I got notoriety as a tweeter and I continued to grow. And at some point between 10K and 98K that I'm at right now, I, um, I now see, I don't look forward to engagement anymore because all it ever is now is like, if people agree with you, they give you a like. And if they disagree, and if they reply at all, it's all disagreement, especially when it comes to politics shit. So, like, mm -hmm. uh, I, um, I don't know, dude. Like, so if, when I'm talking politics shit, it's always all the people that I'm just like, it's, and you know what it is? It's not even people that I, I don't care to read. It's that they're, they're disagreeing with me because they're deliberately taking what I say in the most negative way possible because I didn't comprehensively elaborate over what I didn't mean by what I said. Mm -hmm. So, ultimately what they want they don't want to tweet they treat what you tweet like it's an absolute like you know medium.com blog post that's objectively been fact checked to oblivion back here they want like a five-part tweet breaking down like your thoughts on on x gun restriction bill and what you what you mean by it what you advocate for and what you don't mean by it all comprehensively so they could it's just like it's it's i i don't i don't i don't like what twitter has become now i hate that the freaking algorithm like takes a popular thread, puts the fucking dumbest reply at the top of the top of the chain. Mm -hmm. That way you can see the people who race the fuck out of them because they're all they're throwing the, the dumbest take possible at you. Yeah. Like the, the whole thing now is, is rewarded on engagement rather than the quality of content. So ultimately it just makes Twitter like it makes me have to think a lot more about what I'm doing. And because there were no longer tweets. You know, it used to be a 140 character thing where like, you know, no one took it too seriously because it was like, you know, it's a tweet. It's not a Facebook post, dude. Yeah. But now that it's double the length and it's more bloated than hell and back, and you know you can do tweet threads and all this other stuff here, I hate what it is now, and it makes me just not enjoy it as much. So I have to be in a very particular mood to like put in you know the five minutes per tweet I, I do to make sure that's like concise and to the point and really well thought out, and it cannot be misconstrued and blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I live in my drafts, and ultimately I just I, I can tell that it's emotionally draining for me to really tweet out things I'm passionate about. Um, because I don't know if I ever, because I, I don't, I, it's just not there for me anymore. So yeah. I'm really trying to work on evaluating that and being a lot more active again, because I know that I'm right now, my tweets are pretty whack, honestly. 
like i can i can do when i do bangers i get like 5k likes but whenever i i whenever i'm like not in the mood to tweet but i know but i gotta tweet today because you know i got tweet every fucking day i just yeah. throw out some some bullshit and it's like nothing and i hate that even now i'm telling you like the the, the, the validation of my tweets are that how, how often they get likes like yeah. i hate that it used to even be that way for me either honestly so like i need to like that's something i'm currently working on now too actually is that so that's like a that's like one part of me that's like you know a big vulnerable pieces piece for me there but we're, we're getting there we're getting there we take it one day at a time well, listen, you're you know on the, you're I'm, on... I'm doing my diet i'm doing my my gains and my nutrition and uh you know my ig is popping off right now i'm i'm i'm, fi I'm, fi I'm finally finally posting uh instagram pics again which is which is good i feel a lot more uh, a lot more confident yeah um but yeah i figured i was just kind of tell you that part I was no, like, you're, I mean, more you're, you're, you're on you're on the path and we did we, we again i feel like we're brothers because we're like I'm, I'm in a similar situation with social media right now where i have this weird relationship where, there, where it feels very toxic where you know like um I'm, I'm addicted to it and i still i crave information like i just like receiving information and, and twitter just lets you receive so many different points of view and so it just it gets really really addicting but i, I had the same exact thing going on with like a debate i was i was in with somebody on twitter today where they were where they would completely miscategorize what i had to say and it's like you said there's these limitations when it comes to character limits but listen that's a whole other conversation for a whole other different day yeah, and, it is you know listen I've, I've enjoyed this talk so far I, it, and let me just reiterate i really appreciate appreciate you coming on this has been one of my favorite episodes of, of this podcast Aww. so far and i don't even know you that well so that you know thank you for that Aww. and uh yeah man yeah, um, do you want to plug, uh, where's the stream, where's your Twitter, where's your IG? Sure. Um, uh, everyone who's here right now from the Hutch community, thank y'all for having me out. Uh, very appreciative. I apologize here. I, I would have, um, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to respond because there, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of wholesome comments I saw coming from Hutch's chat, but I didn't know, I felt like it wasn't really proper to respond to the chat in the interview form. So I just kind of like, once y'all know that I did see those comments. And I and I would love to chat with y'all more in a more less formal, more organic manner. Maybe the the there can be some kind of there can be there will be will be will be a future Hutch Trix collaboration. We'll uh I will initiate that because I'm also a good friend, and I will I will I will initiate an idea to collaborate on something soon, whether it be another interview or maybe we can just hop on some uh uh I mean I've never played Warzone before. I don't know if, I don't know if Warzone's gonna be a good start for me on Call of Duty because I, I feel like a, a, me hopping into a BR of a, of a of of a game I don't really play that much is gonna be a horrible idea. But I digress. though. we can figure out something here. So I want to thank big shouts to the Hutch community on that one there. As far as me though, y'all, um, if y'all didn't know, by the way, I'm the uh, I'm the face of your most popular, beloved, and probably most banned try, uh, uh, Twitch global emo try hard. Um, so if y'all want to uh uh you know learn more about what being the most popular global emote means you can come over to my channel if you want to consume um fitness and you want to hear more about my evergreen content come over there i'm actually working hard right now to advocate and innovate in the health and fitness directory of twitch um it is a completely dead category that i want to push a lot more on and uh i would love for y'all to come over because i i currently am working hard to get to my body goals of 12% body fat. And I've been incredibly transparent about my process. So if you want to know more about my, uh, if you want to know more about my macros, if you want to know, if you want to know my macros, my calorie intake, my diet, my workout routine, um, how, how am I doing as, as Hutch was um, surprised by, how am I doing two hours of gym and then another one hour of cardio that often? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll show you what I eat. I got all, I got all plugged in my, my, my fitness pal. 
Uh, I have my macros all downloaded. I can show you everything. You know, it's no secret. There's no mystery pill. There's no weapon X. There's concise diet, calorie count, 40-40-20 uh, macros um, with, with, uh, with an activity log without knowing how many calories I burned a day, calorie deficits, and all the other shit here. I've gone from 18.5% body fat since resuming my, my dieting. I'm already down to 177 and I'm, I'll be happy to share more there. So, so come by the stream and I'll, I'll be, you can ask me your fitness questions and I promise you I can generally give you an answer over like, you know, whatever it may be, whether you want to know like what a healthy meal is or like, you know, why is soda bad for you or how healthy is orange juice for, you know, whatever your questions are. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, um, a lot of, um, ambiguous things that go on in the world of nutrition and misinformation. It's on purpose, by the way. So yeah, come over to the community. Um, uh, my community, we're all a bunch of, uh, there's a lot of like, you know, we're, a lot of them are on team fit along with me. I'd be more than happy to recruit y'all as well. So come over to twitch.tv slash triax. Come, come, come see. Right, was good. Hey, listen, uh, hit me up in the DMs if you do react to that video because I do want to watch that. I'm going to watch it tonight. Actually. Absolutely. We'll do, brother. I will, I will let you know. I will not do it without your uh, approval of time. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks again. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it very much. All right, fam. Later. Bye-bye.